0: Hello and welcome to the Rooted Together Podcast, the podcast which aims to root you in Christ through his word together. I'm your host, Charles Hegwood, and today we end our study in 2 Timothy in chapter 4 with an episode simply entitled Preach the Word. If you want the main idea of chapter 4, it's Preach the Word. And Paul will offer his life as an example of somebody who has preached the word. I keep emphasizing that because that's one of the main themes here. Paul is coming toward the end of his life, and he's desperately asking Timothy to visit him before winter, before the shipping lanes close, because Paul knows his time is short. His life is almost over. He's in prison in Rome at the writing of this, and he's charging Timothy in the presence of God and Christ. And I love verse 1. Who is the judge of the living and the dead by his appearing And his kingdom to what? To preach the word in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. This is a command for the teacher to teach, for the preacher to preach, for the believer to proclaim we have a mission. We don't live on this world to simply enjoy the pleasures of it. God has left us here on this earth as his followers to point people to himself, and that means even if you're a a person who sits in the church every Sunday and you go, I'm not a teacher, but you have a call to proclaim the gospel to your friends, your family, and your co-workers. If you are a teacher, you have a call to teach—you have the same call to share the gospel, but you also have a call to teach the word and to train other believers. If you're called to be a pastor, you have a charge, not just from Timothy, or sorry, not rather from Paul, but from God Himself charging you preach the word through his Holy Spirit. And through the fact that Scripture is God-breathed, we talked about that last episode, this charge extends to us today. Every member of the church has the charge to proclaim the Word of God to a lost and dying world. And I love it in season, out of season, because the world doesn't like sound teaching. The time is coming where they're going to turn away from it. In fact, that time was already in Paul's time. It's definitely prevalent in our time today. People don't like good teaching. They don't like true teaching. They would rather have someone tickle their ears with fancy words and fantastic tales and feel-good lessons. We don't want to be challenged. We don't want to be told that we are sinners We don't want to be told that we must repent. And yet we can't get past that in the word of God. It's everywhere. And Paul is saying, preach the word. People are going to try to turn away what you do as you preach. Do the work of an evangelist. So let's jump into the here. Uh, My highlight was verse 5. It jumps out to me. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. And I love this verse. It's one of the verses I I read at my Paul Paul's funeral, because I think it sums up his life so well that he did the work of an evangelist. And if you follow what happened, uh, what comes next, it's Paul saying, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. and the time of my departure, his death has come. I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith, and henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but all those who have loved his appearing. And and I think this captures the theme of the chapter, to preach the word, how? Sober-mindedly. Which means we can't go through life drunk on power, drunk on pleasure, drunk on anything else other than being sober in the Word. Having a sober mind is the idea of, uh, in the words used are often, girding the loins. Uh, Remember in Paul's time they wore robes and you would have to run, you would have to lift them up and tie them so that you didn't trip. It's this idea of preparedness, readiness, be sober-minded, don't go through life daydreaming, be ready to give an account of the Word of God, be ready to share the gospel. In fact, one of the reasons why most people don't share the gospel, you go, why why don't you share the gospel? Well, I don't think about it. You know, If if you're not thinking about it, if you're daydreaming about a million other things other than the gospel and you're not sober-minded, you're not focused on what you're doing on, on this planet, you're not focused on preaching the word, you probably won't preach it. You probably won't share your faith because you're not thinking about it. Step one, think about it. Be sober-minded, enduring suffering. There's that theme of suffering again. We trace that throughout this whole book. Do the work of an evangelist. That's not just Timothy. That's every believer to tell the gospel to everyone we see and come in contact with and to fulfill our ministry. And I want you to see the fact that you have a ministry whether you're a minister at a church or you're in a quote-unquote ministry in the church, you have a ministry. It is your life mission. Your ministry might be talking to your friend, your co-worker, or your family member. It might be helping the underprivileged. It might just be being a good neighbor. That's a ministry. That is a proclamation of the gospel when we point people to Jesus. So let's get to the explain. A theme throughout the whole letter. As the tide of unfaithfulness and sin rises, and it does throughout this whole letter and it does throughout this whole world, Timothy must be different. We must be different. Timothy has a mission and a goal. Paul says to him, fulfill your ministry. His ministry is to preach the word of God and to raise disciples. We see this in verse 2, and we see this back in verse 3, 16 through 17 and in other places in the letter his work is unchanged by the faithlessness of people and i love this just because there are faith just because there is unfaithfulness does not mean our work is hindered in fact our work is unchanged we continue on regardless he must be sober minded and focused on god not drunk on pleasures of this life The drunk seek their own passions, you see. That's what it means to be drunk in the mind. The idea of you're seeking your own passions, your own wants, your own desires. But Timothy's desire is God and the ministry given to teach, reproof, rebuke, and train himself and other disciples. And we find within it that is our call as well. So what does this mean to us doesn't. What does it mean for us, but what does it mean? So that's what it means to Timothy. So how do we bridge that gap to our time? Simple, be sober-minded. Just as Paul calls Timothy to do so, be sober-minded because you have a ministry. You have a mission. I talked about that earlier. Proclaim the word of God to all those around you. So how do I apply this? Well, some of it seems pretty simple, right? Uh, very obvious here. I must focus on God and be Discipled and disciplined in prayer, in Bible reading, not allowing my time to be wasted by wanton pleasures. It's easy to turn on the TV. It's easy to watch a video on YouTube. It's mindless. But if we're sober minded, we are focused on God and we are disciplined in our prayer life and we're disciplined in our Bible reading. And, and I know that people don't like the word discipline you know, being disciplined, but we must be as good, you know, again, last chapter, Paul used the imagery of soldiers. Soldiers are disciplined. They're trained. Athletes are disciplined in in their athletic ability. They have to train to get that way. Discipleship is no different. We must be disciplined in our prayer life. If you wake up and go, I'll find time to pray today, you will not find it. You must make time to pray. You must carve out time to pray. You must carve out time to read the Bible. You need to carve out time to share the gospel instead of pursuing just everyday pleasures. It's easy to let your mind go off somewhere else, not even in bad places, just places that don't lead to the gospel. Number two, I will endure suffering and hardship in patient hopefulness. God will use such a situation for his glory and not simply just seeking alleviation from the suffering, but saying, How can God use this? Number three, I will share the gospel as a lifestyle, the air I breathe, not simply seeing it as something I do on Sunday, but something I do throughout my day. I will not stop until my time is done. Not distracted, but honed in on God. And I I love that. Again, that passage that I read to you. The time of my departure is at hand. The idea of a boat going off into the horizon, getting smaller and smaller. I will preach the gospel until my last last breath. And I had the pleasure of meeting a 97-year-old pastor who's still preaching. And what an inspiration that guy is. I hope I can be like him. Is as much years, as many years as God gives me on this planet, I hope I fill them with proclaiming His word, both from the pulpit, from the lecture and teaching, or just from walking down the street talking to friends and family and co workers. Anyone who needs to hear the gospel, let it be the air I breathe, let it be the last thing on my breath. Father, the world around me is evil, it seems ever rising. Seeking to swallow me up, but you are my rock. I will endure, for you hold on to me. You are worthy of my focus and readiness. Be my highest thought. Let me faithfully fulfill my ministry. Let your words be on my lips until you call me home. Forgive me for when I lose focus and when I despair. You are my hope. You hear me. Have mercy on me. Amen. Well, thank you for listening to Rooted Together, and thank you for joining me in Second Timothy, and I look forward to joining you in 1 John next time. I'll see you there.